Today's scripture is from Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 39. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against his, her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. not on. I'm on now. How are we doing this morning, church? Okay, we're still good. Still good. One last week, looking specifically at Jesus's instruction to the sheep. If you have been with us all, uh, all uh, month long, we know that Jesus has sent out his disciples out, in, out into the world to proclaim the coming of the kingdom. That's what we've been seeing in Matthew chapter 10. And the places that these sheep are being sent, aren't just away from Jesus, but they're also going to be out among the wolves. What more than this morning can we learn from Jesus's instruction here at the end of Matthew 10? So far, we've looked at some different types of, uh, of wolves, and we've looked at the behavior of the sheep. The wolves can be out there, but the wolves can also try, try to get in here. But it doesn't matter where the wolves are. The sheep need to know how to walk wisely with our shepherd. And we do that by listening to the shepherd's, shepherd's voice and by being devoted to a flock. Because it's in that flock where we see God. We'll see, we'll see God in the lives of our brothers and sisters. We'll see God's love through the love of our brothers and sisters. And it's when sheep have gone astray that we are vulnerable to the wolves. What more then could we say? What more could Jesus say to his sheep that has not already been said? I think the idea that we are sheep and that God is the shepherd is one that we have explored and we're all pretty comfortable with. By now, honestly, you were probably pretty comfortable with it before we began. One of the songs that we looked at, Psalm 23, is one of the more well-known sections of Scripture where we're introduced to this, this idea that God is our shepherd and he comforts us with his staff and his rod. And numerous times in the scripture, especially in the gospels, God and Jesus refer to, to, his, uh, to his people as sheep. Jesus himself describes himself as a sheep, as a lamb. The prophets in the Old Testament are looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the lamb, sheep and shepherd. I, I think we're pretty comfortable with these ideas. And I think that we're pretty comfortable with the concept of just what a sheep is in general. You don't really have to have a membership at the Columbus Zoo to know what a sheep is, how a sheep looks, how a sheep is supposed to act. For the most part, they're pretty harmless and they're, and they're pretty docile. We learn about sheep from the time that we are toddlers. In our home, Maggie and I read a lot of books, and it seems like every other book that we read is about sheep. It has a sheep in it, uh, farm animals. We teach kids what sounds animals make, what sounds sheep make, and we like to quiz them on, on their knowledge about sheep. We'll say, what does the sheep say? Our youngest of kids know what sheep 
are. What about you? What, is it, what does the sheep say? Great job. I knew it. We all, we're all pretty comfortable with, with what a sheep is. But would it surprise us to, to hear at the end of Matthew 10 that it, one of Jesus' final instructions to his sheep who are being sent out among the wolves, Jesus says one of the reasons he's going to send these sheep out is for warfare. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 10, 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to this earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of their own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Maybe not the type of encouragement Jesus' disciples were expecting. But if we'll just consider for a minute the culture that these people lived in, I think Jesus' stark words can be understood a little bit better. Jesus' ministry was largely to the Jews, because Jesus himself was a Jew. He was an Israelite. Jesus is teaching and proclaiming the kingdom to people who have a long relationship with God through their family their family ties back to Abraham. And the social structure that these disciples lived in wasn't just family comes first. It was their family is their life. For many people, family also meant their jobs, their livelihood. If a father was a fisherman, then the son was likely a fisherman. And for many people, family also might have meant their lifelong home. It would not have been uncommon for someone to be to be born and to die on or close to the same property, especially if the family was larger and wealthier. But for all Jews, family meant their religion as well. And this might be something that we take for granted as modern Christians, but Jewish belief really was an internal family heritage culture. We see a a little bit of this even in Acts in the early days of Christianity. Sometimes when a head of household is baptized and believes, the rest of his household is baptized as well. Religion is tied up in their idea of what a family is. And there were actually laws in place as early as Leviticus to allow for outsiders, to allow for sojourners, for God ears to come and to celebrate Jewish festivals, to allow outsiders to come and to pray to God. But but for the most part, Jews were rather closed in to outsiders, especially by the time of Jesus. And even in Jesus' own instruction here at the beginning of the chapter, he tells his disciples to go nowhere among, among the Gentiles, and even nowhere among the Samaritans, to just go to the Jews. So Jesus' statement right here at the end is really important, because we can't forget what Jesus told his sheep they were supposed to be saying. The sheep are sent out to declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They have to decide right now, are they going to be a part of what Jesus is doing, or are they not? They have to choose if they are going to go with Jesus, or the alternative, which is to go against Jesus. 
Because Jesus isn't just claiming to be a reformer of, of, of these systems. He's not going to restore Israel to their original system. Jesus is a trailblazer. He's bringing about a completely new system. And it's not going to mesh with their old way of doing things. It's not going to blend in with their current way of life. The new wine will not last in the old wineskins. Jesus didn't come to restore their idea of an old kingdom. Jesus came to bring a new kingdom. And if the disciples are going to follow Jesus, it might mean saying goodbye to their family. If their family is not willing to follow as well. If they're going to follow Jesus, it means they're embracing a brand new political uh, identity, being a part of the kingdom of God. And if they're going to do that, if the disciples, if these sheep are going to withdraw their citizenship from the world, maybe even withdraw their citizenship from their family and place their citizenship in God's kingdom, the wolves that are out there might not like that. And for these disciples, sometimes those wolves were Gentiles, and sometimes those wolves were their own family. The message of Jesus is going to sound hostile in those places. It's going to be a sword. It's not going to be peace. But interestingly enough, when the, in the Bible, in, in the Old Testament, when prophets are talking about the coming of the kingdom of God, what these disciples are teaching about, when the prophets are looking forward to this ideal future in God's kingdom, guess what? There are sheep and there are wolves. The sheep and the wolves are friends. One example of this is in Isaiah 11. The prophet talks about the righteous reign when Zion, when the heavenly kingdom comes down to earth. And it says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. Talk about a peaceful environment where a sheep and a wolf are together and where a baby can play near a snake. It goes on to say in Isaiah 11, They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful image? We won't read this one, but another great image of this ideal future is in Isaiah 65. This image of the future kingdom, where everyone has knowledge of the Lord and there is peace, is completely different than everything that we've read Jesus is telling his sheep about here in Matthew 10. We've been talking about the wolves all month, um, that we are the sheep and that the wolves are out to get us, but the wolves aren't the enemy, at least when the kingdom of God has come. When the mysteries of God have come to light and all creation knows the truth, there will be peace even among the wolves. When the kingdom of God arrives, there will be true righteousness, there will be true justice, and the wolf and the lamb will be able to graze together in the same pasture. But Jesus said himself that he didn't come to bring peace. He said he came to bring a sword. How can we make sense of that, that if the kingdom of heaven is this peaceful, ideal future, but the message of the kingdom is a sword? Hold on to that 
question. We'll come back to it later. Back in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus continues with his responsibility that he's giving his sheep and uh, their requirements if, if they're going to be heralds of, of God's kingdom. A verse you might be familiar with in Matthew 10 verse 38. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is asking his disciples to do something that he's already doing and something that he plans to do in full. Jesus is very literally going to take up his cross to deny himself life so that you and I might have life. Last week we talked about the power of our great God and shepherd who has the power and authority to give life but also to take it away. And that same God, with that same power and authority, willingly gives away his breath on the cross so that us measly sheep could be in a relationship with our shepherd. The things that Jesus is asking his people to do are certainly not anything that he's not already done and he's he's not willing to do. That phrase, carrying the cross, can be understood uh, a number of ways, but one way that I see it is that carrying the cross means that we are doing our work to bring about God's kingdom. From the earliest whispers of Jesus' birth, the news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand was spreading. That was, that was the message of John the Baptist, and that was even, uh, uh, even the message of, of Jesus early in his ministry, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But what does it mean that the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Is that a peaceful message, or is that a message of warfare? Because we've kind of seen, seen both. The coming of the kingdom of heaven means the end to whatever kingdom we think we have here. For many Jews, their kingdom was their religious practice. It was their traditions. It was controlling the things that they could control. So it makes sense that the kingdom that Jesus is bringing is going to go to war with the kingdom that these people are protecting. Amly would be set against Amly if some followed Jesus and the rest would not. And when the king comes back, when Jesus returns and the kingdom is here, that kingdom, like we read in Isaiah, is going to be peace. But right now, as long as people are unwilling to listen, the gospel message, as loving and as merciful as it is, might look like a sword to many people. And us carrying our sword doesn't mean that we're going to be aggressive or ugly about the, about the way that other people are living. You who are without sin, throw the first stone. But are there places in our lives, are there people where we know we should probably talk about Jesus more? And we don't. In those places, I think it's time we get a little more aggressive 
we get a little bit more intentional with the message that we have. When Jesus came and carried his cross, Jesus came and proclaimed the kingdom and that it was coming. Jesus said he came to bring a sword. It's time for the sheep to take up our swords. We talked about a month ago, taking up our swords does not mean that we are going to dig our heels in and we're going to win a culture war for Christ so that this country can look like God's kingdom. That's not what it means to take up our sword. Taking up our sword means doing exactly what Jesus asked his disciples to do out among the wolves in Matthew chapter 10. To go out among the wolves, to declare the kingdom of heaven, and to do the good things that Jesus would do. And sometimes the wolves won't like it, but that's okay. When, when they don't, we won't be hostile, we won't, we won't be closed-minded, we won't be mean. We are just going to do what Jesus asked in every place that we go. And while we go, we're going to brandish our sword of the Spirit. Christians have to start taking up their swords at work. This means that we need to evaluate the type of worker that we are. This means that we're taking advantage of how we're treating our co-workers. This means that you're going to be submissive to your boss, even if it means that your co-workers and your bosses look like wolves. Because the wolves aren't your enemy. Christians have to take up our swords at home. This means that we're protecting our relationships that we have as holy. This means we're taking advantage of the people in our own household who need to know the message of Jesus. This means being a servant to your family members, especially the ones who you think could be wolves. We have to take up our swords wherever we go. So here's my homework this week. I've got two pieces of homework for you, and maybe you could even accomplish this today. The first thing, I want you to make a list. Make a list of all the places that you go. Home and work, to your neighbors, to the golf course, to grandma's, to Java Central. Make a list of the places that you regularly go. Because the places that you go are the places that you're sent. And after you've made that list, here's the second thing that you're going to do in your homework. For each place you go, you're going to name one person out to the side of that, of, that, of that place who needs to know the truth about the kingdom. Is there someone in, in your family at home who needs to know the truth? Write them down. Do you have a neighbor who's lost in the world? Write them down. Okay, I lied. There are three parts of this homework. Once you've made your list of places that you go, and once you've made your list of people at those places, I want you to pray for that list. Pray for those people and pray for those places. Now, I have not made my list yet. I plan to make mine in the morning. 
tomorrow about 9 o'clock. But if I'm honest with myself, and if you're honest with yourself, there are a couple people who are going to be on that list who I've known need the truth for a long time. I've been going to those places. And I see those people. Why are we not sharing the message of the cross with them? One reason might be because we're not praying for those people. If I'm asking Jesus to do something in their lives, or better yet, if I am not asking Jesus to do something in their life, how can I ever hope to be the one who does something in their life too. Christians have got to start praying for those places. We have got to start praying for those people. I have got to share the truth of the kingdom with the people who need to know it. It's time we take out our swords. I want you to go home, make your list of places, make your list of people, and pray. Pray that those people would desire to know the truth and also pray that you would have the courage to be as wise as the serpent, to be as innocent as the dove and show the truth to them. Especially if it means that we're going out among the wolves. This morning, if you're not a Christian, then you are on my list right now. Let me share the kingdom of heaven with you. The flesh, this world, is lost in sin, and the wages of that sin is death. And that is not what we were created for. You were created for life. And Jesus came to this earth so that you could have life, even though you do not deserve it. Wait no longer to give your life to Jesus. If you desire to be baptized this morning, we would love to help you do that. If you are a Christian and you have been baptized, I hope you never forget your role as the sheep and that you desperately need your shepherd. If you need encouragement from this flock, please ask for it. If you need the prayers of your fellow sheep, your brothers and sisters in Christ, please stop neglecting to ask for it. And if you're making your list and you're, and you're asking yourself, I'll never be able to proclaim the kingdom of God in that place or I'll never be able to share the truth with that person. And you need the encouragement of your brothers and sisters. Ask for it. If you have a need, whether it's here in person or it's on Facebook, please let it be known. If not right now, then I mean it. Anytime this week, we would love to pray with you and pray for you. Church, Jesus has sent us out among the wolves to be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Do not forget, though, that even though we're sent out among the wolves, and the wolves might sometimes be scary, our fight is not with the wolves. Because the wolves need to know the truth. And one day, when the kingdom comes, everyone will. But right now, the wolves in your life need to know the kingdom, and it's up to us to show it to them. If you have a need right now, won't you make it known? 
as we stand together and sing.